Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Ski Instructor Podcast, sponsored by Castlay Skis. My name is Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School, based here in Valais in Switzerland. Um, this week I bring you uh, an interview that I travelled to Zermatt for at the end of July. Um, the interview is with Damien Franson. Um, for those of you that don't know him, Damien Franson is an educator for Swiss Snow Sports. Um, he's also was on the uh, Swiss demo team until uh, until until last year. Um, he's also heavily involved in the Zermatt Ski Club. So. Um, it was a great interview, and I've known Damien for a couple of years, actually. Um, Damien was uh, was um, an examiner of, on some of the courses that I've taken for Swiss Snow Sports and, and also helped me out with a little bit um, of extra work that I needed for my for my Brevet Federal. So um, I've known him a long time, and, and that really, really comes through actually uh in the in the interview and and these in-person interviews are always really really good and you can you can hear the the sort of the interaction um that we that we have with each other at some point in these uh these interviews we were in a private room in the hotel schoenegg in zermatt um and there were a couple of people that kind of uh, were, were buzzing around in the background and uh, someone came into the room at some point so you might hear that um, but during this interview, we, we initially talk about his sort of journey, you know, through skiing and how he got to where he is now. Uh, we talk a bit about the Swiss demo team. Um, and then we get on to some subjects that I'd really wanted to talk about for a long time, which is that sort of to do with the Swiss style, um, you know, the unique way in which they, they ski and where that comes from. And, uh, and then we sort of finish off this first half with, um, with you know, the structure of, of uh, the Swiss Snow Sports exams and, and what's involved in that. So our interview starts not in uh, the normal place. In fact, we were, we were in the middle of a conversation about uh, Didier Defargo and, uh, and why he was in Zermatt. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, so it doesn't start as the interviews normally start, but uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure you'll work it out. Um, enjoy this first half and uh, I'll catch you in the middle. To... I didn't know that, but he took over the job of Bernhard Russi. Did you know that? Like, so like he's like now the new slope developer, the the slope architect, which Bernhard Russi did for you know like he Bernhard Russi he did. Uh, I thought he was doing that. I heard that you. I thought he was doing inspection. Like what would you call it? Um, calibration. Yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. The, it could be, but like I think that he is also like a, sort of like a designer as okay. well. And um, anyhow, so he he has been up here today, and it will be very um, very cool to hear what what his report will say if it's positive or negative. Is he doing? So he's doing the. So he will thing. design the slope, and and then he will say if it's. A possible or not. You know? This is for that course yeah. they're proposing to run from top of Zermatt down into Chivinia for the World Cup. Exactly. That they're going to replace, is it Korshavel? Kind of one of those. No, like, no. sort of, there was a huge media thing about it, but like in the end, they are, um, they want to put this race uh, at the beginning of November. Yeah. So it's a perfect date for the downhillers. Uh, another 
cool opportunity is that the downhillers would have to race more. Yeah. Because you know, course, like yeah. they always struggle a little bit with the overall World Cup to because get the same, so same races. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, yeah. So th those are two positive things about it, and then the third one is, um, yeah, like, like a, a cool thing is that you start in one country and you finish in another yeah, country. You know, that is so, cool. That is cool. So uh, yeah, just that's... like you guys do in the winter when you take your clients for lunch. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Um, welcome to the Skin Instructor Podcast, Damien Franson. Thank you. Thank How you are you? For being here. I'm. I'm good. Um, very just, relaxed. <laughs> just got back from Sweden. Yep. What are you doing there? What were you doing there? Uh, so, um, we've been just visiting a uh, family there. My wife is uh, Swedish. Okay. So, we went up there to to, uh, to visit family, to the kids that they see their grandparents. And uh, no, it was really fun. And so... Oh, that's cool. And when we came back, um, or like sort of on the way up, we got that mentioned about this self-quarantine that Sweden was uh, or is like a high-risk country yeah um, and like from I will say now like from yesterday on yeah they uh, said it's not anymore so but we've done our 10 days quarantine so that's that's fast that's great. yeah mm. <laughs> Jesus oh, <God. laughs> mm. wow how's your Swedish um, I understand a lot. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I actually even, I even talk with my, um, so I have two daughters, but with my younger daughter, I even talk a little bit more. I even talk a little bit Swedish. So, yeah. Because Swedish for me is even more difficult, I imagine, to pick up than Swiss German would be. Um, like my, my, uh, my wife, when, when she moved here, um, for her, it was so much easier to pick up the Walliser dialect than like the proper high German. Yeah. So, so she picked up uh, that actually quite fast. And actually, uh, when you listen to it, there's a lot of combination in it be between German, English, uh, yeah. and maybe even a little bit of French or whatever. So you can actually always imagine like, oh, what does this word mean? Oh, like, yeah, there's somewhere a synonym about it. So, yeah. Huh? Yeah, so... Um, oh, cool. No, that's, that's good. Yeah. I have to say I've started... So my wife is originally Romanian. Okay. And they... So they... I don't know what it's like in your family. I imagine your wife speaks to the kids in... In Swedish. In Swedish. Right. Yeah. What's your common language between you then? English. In no yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. So me and my wife, we speak English. I speak to my kids German. Yeah. And she speaks to them uh, Swedish. Huh? Yeah. So yeah, you've got a similar thing going on. So our common <laughs> language is English. She speaks to my daughter in Romanian and then my daughter goes to school in French. Okay. Wow. And I hear them speaking French sometimes as well, that, which is... Okay, so I speak French and, and English, but the... The Romanians, I understand more than I can speak. Yeah, same here. Like, I'm not very confident to speak no. uh, at all. But I, I, because you end up in the family, I guess it's the same with you, right? You're yeah. saying the same things all the time, especially yeah. with kids. Yeah. Like, Don't yeah. do that. Go yeah. over there, do this, yeah. like, whatever. Exactly. Huh. Okay. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, it's very international with us. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's fun. Huh? Did you meet here in Zermatt? Yeah, 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 yeah. So she has done a season or two here and then we met and that's how um, yeah, we oh. fell in love. And 
That's how they get you. Want to That's how they get you. They, um, no, because I tell you what, because I wrote originally to you because I've been trying to, my aim this summer is to stop interviewing people from Bayesian Anglophone people right. and try and get a different perspective with these interviews <clears throat> on skiing culturally in other countries. So the last one that I just recorded, it hasn't come out yet, but it will, um, is with Josh Foster from Canada. Um, great interview in the can from here. I, that was that was really fantastic. But, I, but, you know, I live here in Switzerland and I want to get, I think I've got, I know what it means to be Swiss and to be in, in, within skiing. Yeah, right. But I want to hear it from the horse's mouth. Right. And you're the horse. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so my... I, we always start by talking about sort of your skiing background. Right. And when I spoke to Arsene, I spoke to you, he always rolls you out as like the best English speaker that he's got, which is cool because you're, is it right, your mother is Australian? Exactly. You told me before. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So my mom is Australian and uh, I actually even skied for Australia for like three, four years. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to come to that because, yeah. <laughs> um, because that shows a little bit. Um, the anecdote I think I've got is that <clears throat> when we were on a course together, I got paired up with you and you were like, Dave, just follow me, no problem. And I'm trying to, I didn't realize at the time, but I'm trying to follow the tracks of a guy who skied in the World Cup. Right. It's pretty serious. <laughs> and actually impossible. So, fair enough. Like, uh, but you're, um, you're one of my favorite skiers, certainly in the demo team. Um, I think what you do on snow is amazing. Mm. It's good, you know. Mm. Um, but how did you, presumably, you grew up in Zermatt, you were born on skis. Exactly. As soon as you go, as soon as you can walk. Yeah, so, um, I mean, my, my dad and my mom there have no, like, big uh, ski history at all like they're, uh, they're they're not like ski instructors or they have not been like any former ski racers but um, but yeah so we were always skiing on the weekends or like every 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 day off every half day off we got we went out and we, we were skiing together had some picnic with us and, and went off and then as normal, you head up afterwards to the ski club and you do your first um, school races and, and it goes not too bad. And then uh, you, you go further, you, you go into the regional team in mm-hmm. those days and then it was like ski valet team. And then, it, um, and then afterwards when I was like uh, 14, 15, um, I decided to go down to Brick to to the boarding school of the of like the ski yeah, the ski sports school, right? yeah sports school <clears throat> exactly. Now, I don't know if that exists in other countries, but that's certainly a big thing here, isn't it? If you reach a decent level here, yeah, you've got to go to the sports school because if you want to progress on towards the national team I'm guessing exactly I mean that that is definitely like that is definitely like one way like the academic uh, the academic way sort of mm-hmm. like the, the education way you can also you can also uh, like learn um, a cook or be a carpenter or whatever and follow the same follow as well the same path but mm-hmm. of course then you need to have as well like a fantastic uh, boss and a fantastic uh, you know like uh, a company who who's willing to take you because you're like yeah. not you're not you're not helping the company at all no, you're never there right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> so 
So I chose that way and uh, did my full five years in that in that school and um, and in that school I afterwards um, managed to get into into the C team or into the junior national ski team mm-hmm. and I was in there for uh, for two years and then um, got injured came back didn't brought the results and um, and then it goes fast in Switzerland like. You know, there's a lot of competition, a lot of young guys pushing, and so then they kicked me out of the team, which was um, fine, like because, like yeah, I mean it's fair, the, like it was the black and white, clear, right? yeah, yeah black it. and white. You didn't brought the results, you know, yeah. and then they so that's usually is, that is meaning that okay, either you go back to the regional team or or you stop, or in my case then. Um, um, I changed nationalities and then I changed to to the Australian ski team mm-hmm. but that was like um, we were that was in the process where um, uh, like Kilian Albrecht he I think he changed as well and like uh, afterwards also Christoph Ruf from uh, Verbier he also changed to Moldavia mm-hmm. so there were like a bunch of bunch of guys who were changing nationalities and like for the fist, that was something um, not not new, but like it was not so common. So the whole process went mm. a little bit longer. So until everything finally decided through the Swiss Federation, Australian Federation, the fees, um, until everything has been decided, like the budgets were done for the Australian ski team. So I had to do one year just all by myself like getting your own skis on skis go to the captain's meeting uh, getting the bibs um, you know um, res- uh, like yeah. reserving hotels um, I suppose in- that's quite cool though yeah because you yeah, know it was, what, what's involved yeah also it, it opened my eyes in, in that respect that like um yeah, first you just thought oh those coaches have like a fantastic life you mean they 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 just come up, they set some gates, and <laughs> they they talk shit on the radio, yeah. and off you go. You know? But there was so much so more true. managing in the in the whole process, and and um, so like you know like traveling like from from one corner of the Europe to the other corner, six seven hours. Yeah, doing the skis, um, going to the captain's meeting, um, and then being sort of like mentally prepared to perform the next day mm. it was it was tough but it was a fantastic um, education for for myself because in those days like internet was there but it was not yeah you still had to call up hotels you still yeah. had to like you know like it was not that easy as it is now yeah um, and so that was really really cool and you were racing at that point World Cup, Europe Cup. I was doing more. On, I was more on the fifth circuit. Fifth circuit. Maybe I did like one or two European Cup races, mm-hmm. but um, I was not on my. I was not on my level. I didn't bring anything to be competing on the European Cup level. Mm-hmm. And um, I meant to ask someone the other day. I meant to ask Lynn because I interviewed her about this. Mm-hmm. So is the, the jump from fifth to Europa Cup is 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 as massive? Is there you know? Is it huge? And then the jump from Europa Cup to say World Cup, 
that would also be huge or is it no I, I think that the, that the step between European Cup and World Cup is definitely even bigger than um, than between FIS and, and Europa Cup mm. just because it involves so much more um, whole media whole spectators um, there's so much more um, involved in it like your surrounding and also like how they how they prepare the slopes mm. um, it's just like in World Cup it's just ice from top to bottom each 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 race and mm. European Cup and FIS races I mean some some resorts they do um, they they put water on the slopes but mm. on some others they don't so like you have more similarity mm. there um, so I think just from the point of uh, yeah just like uh, how you f- like your distress level is definitely higher on the on the on the yeah, World yeah. Cup and so yeah, so that's what I did, and then I could go to the. Then the first time I met my team was in 2005 in, in Bormio in the World Championships. So they said, "Oh yeah, you had not too bad. Uh, you had not too bad results in the face, So come up and, and yeah. have a go." And yeah, so that's what I did. And, and after that, that was a little bit of a pity. Then after that race. I went back, did some races in Switzerland, and then I, uh, I did my ACL. Aye. And then after that, sort of like this whole dream of like going to Turin 2006 for the Olympics, that just blew away. So, yeah. so I did like a recovery season, and then uh, 2007 in the World Championships in Ore in Sweden. I, so I did that race, uh, always slalom, giant slalom, and then mm-hmm. after that I, I sort of, um, I quit it, I stopped, just in the feeling that like, um, sort of, at that point I was maybe what, 22, 23, you sort of see, you know, like your friends are earning money, um, they have like a yeah a good life here in one way or like they are on their own feet and um and like of course i had like sponsors and i was very grateful for that but like in the end of the day like it was this yeah it was zero or even an investment from my side and also like from the whole coaching stuff i just had sort of the feeling that uh, they were not bringing me to the next to the next level Mm -hmm. Um, and but it was cool in one way to invest those those three more years um, just so I could decide when to stop with ski racing I think that was important for me and that's why I, I could also afterwards still you know carry on what I'm doing now being an examinator being yeah, a yeah. demo team being a ski teacher because I have it was not frustration it was um, I still have a fantastic feeling and, and uh, very good emotions when it's it comes good to right because you get to explore where as far as you could have gone exactly. and then you know right in your yeah. mind yeah. there's no unanswered questions no. it's not like oh could I have maybe if I had gone down there yeah you know yeah no so that was really important for me that's really cool mm. that's yeah. really cool so then what led you after that so you came Back to Zermatt, so right, I still want to be on snow. What's next? 
Well, uh, Jesus, uh, there was a lot of unfinished projects. In one way, I had to finish my, my uh, education in Brick, in, in the sports school, because um, in, we always went, in our summer, we always went down to Australia to, to train and to do competitions. So, I, I, like, I was from never there. I was yeah. not even they didn't even see me so <laughs> so i had to finish that and i was re- very very grateful that i did that it mm. was just like sort of it's like sort of a thing like i'm not a person who wants to like do unfinished stuff mm-hmm. so i i yeah. didn't know if that would bring me anything or not in the future but it was just like a a metal thing okay I need to finish that so yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I, I did that and then um, I started already in my ski racing career I did like one course of ski instructing courses uh, with, with, with snow sports and then um, in 2008 I think or 9 just yeah just shortly when I finished ski racing I finished my um, instructor course then I did my private federal and then it just went on and on and on. Then 2011 yeah. um, education pool and 2012 I made the qualifications uh, for the demo team. And then um, yeah, just super much involved. Yeah. They uh, can't get rid of you from the demo team. They're still in it. <laughs> no, no, actually, um, I um, we um, I, I quit the demo team uh, last yeah last year 2019. So that was your last one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. Um, yeah. There was a huge like there was a huge turnover. So like in Switzerland or like in most countries they do like uh, shortly after interski or a year after interski they um, they do new trials mm-hmm. and um, and uh, yeah I was not I was not willing to go again for another trial um, and also I was not ready to. To invest again the same time and the same amount of um, of energy into that into that team, and it's sort of like it's also it's also like sort of it's a bunch of friends mm-hmm. and like a new generation came now in and and, yeah. and so there, there was like I don't know like four or five of us were quitting mm-hmm. and um, and now there was like yeah so that was a big step to now like bringing a lot of new people yeah. into the demo team and I've seen some of those new guys skate like oh, some yeah. good skiers yeah, yeah 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 I mean yeah. Uh, no the, the quality is <laughs> definitely there the, um, the, but, um, yeah. it's funny you know like I've noticed that in some of the other stuff that I've done in my life previously I won't bore you listener with what they are but the when you're in teams sometimes it's really really good for a period of time and part of the skill is knowing when to get out and when to stop before you hit the sort of the downside of that that curve you know? yeah exactly exactly like it was definitely not an easy decision like I mean I did that decision maybe like in April May um, last season it was in 2019 last season and then like sort of yeah easy no worries I'm still like the same same guy blah 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 but then mm. like when you come back again back onto the slopes with 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 the whole education team 
and then you and then you and then you see the new the new demo team then you sort of ah, yeah maybe it would have been good but then again yeah maybe it's so yeah every choice in life you take you know like it can be positive or negative but i think that um i've done the right decision and um and uh yeah but i'm still very very involved in it so um still developing stuff and yeah the so the what i was going to ask you about that was so the, the demo team is is almost in essence it's a professional demo team pretty you know more or less yeah you know yeah. It, it, they have a lot of time to practice by the looks of things but also the way that Swiss Snow Sports set it up we're jumping a little bit into the next topic of Swiss Snow Sports but they I don't know whether this is exactly right because my experience of courses is reasonably limited but the a demonstrator comes to each course along with someone from education or do you run the courses so, no, so it is it obligatory to be part of the demo team to, to run courses or so it? like it's sort of like the the demo team is part of the education pool mm-hmm. so and out of the education pool which is like 35 people out of that pool there is then eight or ten um, who go into who go into the demo team uh-huh. but it doesn't require that a course can also be led by by somebody from the from the education pool. I understand. So, the demonstrators they don't have like an education level. They don't have any any higher status than mm-hmm. than the than the pool itself. Yeah. So it just the, happens to be that. that exactly. Way. So sometimes it just happens to be that the demonstrator is there. Yeah. But the course would also be happening if the uh, demonstrator would not be there. Okay. Um, the demonstrator just has afterwards has of course opportunities and um, has uh, sort of like events which they need to go hmm. like interski. Yeah. Um, if there's like an invitation from uh, from other countries. Um, some uh, also like world championships and stuff like that. That's the that's the core team which is going to those events. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ah, okay. Mm. Well, that's all right. So I just got lucky in getting you on my course, <laughs> or not lucky, or not. <laughs> yeah. I'll just do this. It's easy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. Um, okay. I'll just let this guy take his suitcase. Yeah. Ah. All right. So. While we were, no, we did, yeah, the demo team, okay, we covered that, the education mm-hmm. pool, we covered that. Mm-hmm. When we were, let's get, let's delve a little bit into the the technique side, because I think people will be quite interested in this. Right. I rave about Swiss skiing, because it's so free, <laughs> and it's, you know, so, ah, uh, what'd you say? I think stylistically it's quite different to many of the other nations that we see. Correct. There are certain stylistic elements in, say, some of the, say, Australian, New Zealand, uh, Korean, Japanese skiing, like that, stylistically very different. Yeah. But amongst the European nations, European European landmass. Right. Obviously, we're in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, the, the, the Swiss certainly have a style and I think it comes a little bit from this concept that, that we talked about before about this sort of dynamic balance 
mm-hmm. concept. Mm-hmm. And Arsene explained it really, really well to me one time when we were we were on that thing. And he talked about you know that you just have to kind of do what's necessary at the right time. So it's not necessarily we're not really, really sort of making shapes. If you need to lean in at a certain point, just lean in. Mm-hmm. You need to angulate at a certain point, you do it. Like, mm-hmm. You just do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. There's no prescriptive way. When you look through the manual, it doesn't say you must ski like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It talks very much about kind of, yeah, like the dynamic balance. Exactly. Concepts. Yeah, so to pick up on that, like for us, I think like um, the core thing with us is like sort of like the function the function how it works between snow and skis and um whatever whatever happens uh, above that especially above your belly button and up Mm. um you're quite free as long as it doesn't um it doesn't like interrupt your your function back onto the skis again so if you rotate with your upper body and and uh, that's why your tail of the ski goes goes away or sl- slides away. Okay, then I will. Then there has to come sort of a, some kind of a correction from your upper body because you've been doing too much rotation. But otherwise, we could also just leave it there because that's some kind of a um, that's your individual style. And mm. every every um, it's just interesting because at the moment we are developing a new a new racing concept for 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 Swisky, and um, and also there like um, we we just saw it now like I mean um, Marcel Hirscher uh, he's whatever he's like maybe 171 172 everybody thought okay he's like the god of skiers and he is of course <laughs> yeah but like it so doesn't that's pretty controversial i thought you were about to go and say but he's not that good no but like the thing <laughs> is that also um uh, ramon Zemheisen, um who is who is uh, 30 centimeters yeah. taller he can also perform at the same at the same uh, level, mm. and so it has a lot to do of your body structure, yeah. how you ski, and um, that is a very and, and I think that's that's very good that we let the people that freedom because um, because every body, every type of person is is different, and um, how does that? I have to ask this question yeah. because it's actually a question that, that comes from me a little bit. Now, you're right, there is that freedom and that flexibility in the in the system. I, I get that and I see it and I've read it. You know, we talked about it in that, that meeting that we had. Yeah. But then there's a certain amount, I think, of, of how do you explain it? A sort of, a sort of uh, arm carriage style that looks like it's come down through the ages, like it's almost like a traditional thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to serve any kind of functional purpose. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a way that you guys, you guys, Swiss guys, or people who've hung around and skied in Switzerland too long, like me, right. do that thing when they plant their pole. Mm-hmm. That sort of looks a bit like a... Dora. Do you remember when you said to me, I know the basic guys who will ski like this, and you did that amazing impression? <laughs> do you remember? And I was like shit like that's exactly how they were skiing and then so you can flick between the two but there's definitely a sort of you'd almost call it like an opening of a door or mm-hmm. something kind of thing that does that come from the old-fashioned short turn short swing 
Do you um, think? I mean, or? definitely. I, I think that um, well, we definitely have like a, some kind of a tradition in 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 our in our style. Mm. Um, just because, um, like, in the old days when the carving skis came out, okay, you always need to have your bow skis down onto down onto the down onto the snow. They have to be like sort of like grounded. You mm. cannot you cannot lift it up and. And, and we, we are still lifting up our inside ski with with short turns, with with carving short turns, mm. and um, but it has it it it's not like a style thing. It has it has to do with with the function because if I lift up my my inner ski um, to release to release pressure at the end of the turn, I can I can like step. Yeah, you um, I can yeah. roll roll yeah. Uh, quicker onto my future outside ski, so it has like a, a function in it, and not sort of like oh yeah, it's just because we still want to ski like we mm. did back in in the eighties. No, no, but there's like plenty that. of guys that do that. Yeah, yeah. and and um, and like I have to say that in the, uh, back in the demo team, it was it was difficult for us because. Um, we ski very dynamic, mm. but it was it was very hard to synchronize that with with eight guys because like everybody was pushing one hundred percent on their skis mm. and it looked very very dynamic and, and stuff like that. But it was not very not always very uh, very synchronized. So like there we also had to like in a show effect for for a, for back. like for a show yeah. we all, yeah. also had to get back to 90% to 80% and to exactly what you said that okay listen uh, Damien uh, you, you have you have to do the the pole plan as the other seven guys otherwise it just looks bad in that show you know yeah, so yeah, yeah. Yeah. so there was a um, so there was a lot of talks about about that as well because you have to imagine like for the for the judges down on the on the slope who who judge that, um, it's much easier to see the picture than the dynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, one guy's doing something different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for us, it was um, so that was definitely like um, a big talk in when I was in the demo team that you know like okay guys, uh, pack it up and let's yeah try to. Let's try to ski quite similar. Well, all the guys on the demo team, did they all have like a racing background? Yeah. 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 That is, when I was talking in the last inter-ski with, with other teams, um, that is definitely um, an advantage from our side if you are coming um, it doesn't mean don't get me wrong like it doesn't mean that when you're when you have been a ski racer that you are um, a great demonstrator and a great examinator and like an educator but just yeah. like for that for that uh, perspective just like for a show effect um, it definitely helps if everybody has a little bit the similar yeah, yeah. Uh, background also just because when it's like really chopped up and it's like really difficult conditions mm. um, you just yeah you just see who was um, had a better or like a good yeah. fundamental base background yeah because yeah, I've spoken to this about a few people and, and it was more the case that sort of if you're 
used to racing, you kind of just do what you need to do to get down the course. Mm. Mm. You're not really thinking too much about style or technique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just doing what you need to mm-hmm. do. That would apply when the course is choppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would apply when the demo, sl- demo slope is choppy, right? Y- yeah. But it sort of also reminds me a little bit of what is in the the, the you know the Swiss Snowsport system. So it, it is just like do, here's here's how all the things do. You know, here's sorry, here's how all the bits and pieces work. How you use them it seems to be very much up to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that is very um, like so. In our last in our last uh, exam, when you when you become a, a, a ski instructor in Switzerland, you have to do twelve different. Um, Exams, and so that means that you are doing from snowplow and like uh, just like you know um, wedge turns. Then you go into moguls, you go into off piste, you go into slope style. You have a style jump, you have a long jump, you have giant slalom, you have slalom, uh, you have uh, short turns, uh, you have uh, this coolwar. Um, there's different coolwars which you need cool to. So like, yeah. um, I mean, it's very, we, we want to have the whole, we want to, we want to see the people on the whole mountain. And that is yeah. definitely something different than in, in other countries, yeah. I would say like, 100%. Um, well, with us, a freestyler, he still has also chances so I'm now not mm. talking about to, to make the course or not even to be the best in the course mm. because he has as well slope style he has as well freestyle jump he has moguls he had he would have a free ride run so those are also like four um, four disciplines where mm. where he can also or he or she can also develop score a score massive uh, points yeah exactly because the, uh, for those that don't know you've got to score an average of four out of six across all of those. Exactly. And you forgot to mention the short-term variations. <laughs> yes. Which no one else does. To <laughs> <which are> crazy. <laughs> uh, which are... Uh, Swedish turns. Swedish Norwegian, scissor turns. Uh, Norwegian turn. Uh, dolphin turns. Um, yeah, but, five yeah. from the from the five uh, short term variations. Yeah. you have to uh, perform four out of five. Yeah, yeah, moving into each other. Moving into <laughs> each other. Yeah, that's, that's actually the free run. I think was the most interesting thing from my point of view. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. well, also the fact that there's freestyle in it. Mm-hmm. So you don't. My my natural comparison is is the the British system. Mm-hmm. No freestyle in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, when you're out on the mountain teaching kids, they want to do freestyle. Mm. There isn't a kid alive that doesn't want to go into the snow park. Mm. Mm. You know, so it's cool to be able to do a few things. Yeah. I personally try to teach myself something new like every year just to kind of, I wouldn't say stay trendy because that's like, yeah, yeah. too old for that. But like, you know, it's nice to be able to bust out a trick every now and then if you've got if you've got it exactly right? exactly like you got to otherwise you're not credible really yeah yeah and that's sort of like also like that's what sort of like the market demands i mean as 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 what you say like there is a 
there's a whole freestyle uh, a whole freestyle thing with, with the youth so that there, then there's the whole free ride section mm-hmm. and then there's of course the race section and the, and the slope section yeah. so we, we just try to 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 cover to cover up all of those yeah, it's, um, all it's, of those market points. It's really really impressive. But also, it's like fourteen days in a row, twelve days in a row. Um, the last course is uh, fourteen days. Yeah. Straight. Yeah. No breaks. No breaks. So Swiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. That's. I mean. That's. That's, that's hard too, right? That's. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Um, it's. Um, it's. It's tough for. Um, it's tougher than. For the people who come to the course, because like that's also like a thing. Like, at the, always at the first, the first night on our on the meeting when I when I gather my eight or ten 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 people in my group, it's mm. always just like, you know, you don't have to you don't have to put in every turn one hundred percent in it. You yeah, have to be clever. Yeah. Um, you have to. Everything's all right. Everything is yes, perfect. Sir. Thank you. Um, and also, you know, they just have to. Uh, stay healthy uh, drink a lot of water um, uh, eat good food um, and and because like we have like sort of like a week of education and then there is uh, two days of um, sort of metallurgical mm-hmm. tests and then after that it's four days uh, straight where you do those technical exams yeah, yeah. and um, yeah no it's and serious it's, it's serious yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the, the what what strikes me is all the way through the whole thing is this is this concept of agility. The agility runs through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like so snowpark, short term mm-hmm. variation, short turns are extremely dynamic. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's clearly very important to the Swiss mm-hmm. that that is a fundamental part of their skiing. Yeah. That sort of fluidity and that kind of ability to move, mm-hmm. you know, like really move. Mm-hmm. That's why. That's why. Also, like, uh, that's why we still have those. As, as, as what you said before, those, uh, those that short-term variation. Yeah. Because, like, the thing is that just people, people got lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like skiing is still a sport, <laughs> but um, yeah. but like with this short-term variation, like it's so sometimes the first time that you actually see them uh, breathe and like see them like yeah. um, going on. And of course, if if you don't if you don't use the whole dynamic of your skis, then you just have to jump higher and and mm-hmm. you just have to you just have to develop so much more than That's what you get out of your out of your ski. But like. For us, that is like a, a thing um, that, yeah, we just train our our people to actually move and to do some uh, coordination on the skis as well. Yeah. 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 It's funny, P- Peter Kuehl, a good friend of mine, Peter Kuehl, said, uh, said the same thing. He said, if you're not out of breath when you're at the bottom, you're not working hard enough. <laughs> so, oh, fair enough. Like, it is a sport. It is. But, but do you know, one of the things about that, and, and I suppose you do have to go up and do those extra runs and kind of keep yourself going during the season, because if you're just doing sort of regular teaching, mm. you're probably skiing at, what, 20% yeah. of your capacity? Yeah, yeah. Less from you, yeah. probably. But, like, it's, yeah, it's... Um, you know, you can kind of you combine that with like a big lunch every day, and yeah. like end of the season, it's like okay. I I would have thought I'd be fitter than this by the end of the season. Yeah. No, no, it it is. I mean, that's uh, that is. Uh, um, 
I mean, I also had to learn that um, when I came back from my whole, um, like sort of when I came back from my ski racing career and then like in the demo team, I thought, okay, like I always always have to like show off and, and, and try to, like even in, in when I was just ski instructing here back home, mm. um, I had my race boots on and like, you know, I had my edges always sharpened and stuff like that but it's just not healthy to do that on a regular basis like if you if you work from from beginning of December until end of April and you just go on and on and on like that your knees and your hips I mean I I feel it now I mean that's uh, that's why sort of yeah I'm not I'm not hardly skiing anymore on 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 slalom race cars anymore mm. because at the end of the day i'm just almost like yeah tired and like everything starts to hurt so that was also like sort of like a development which yeah. i had to understand and learn you know that um speaking speaking about skis as well like in in our system like we are usually exactly what I said we are on those slalom, slalom 165 skis slalom. 165s the, yeah. the, the girls on the 155s yeah. and, um, and that's different because in, in like in other countries they have uh, they have like a sort of a, a 175 yeah, 19 meter radius and I've been skiing on those skis and I actually really um, really uh, like it because in one way you actually have to do a little bit more yeah effort but it's also a little bit more forgiving on your on your body mm. what's your what's your daily ski these days my daily skis these days is uh, yeah like a 175 um, 18 19 meter radius you ski uh, on Fisher yeah I'm so. skiing on Fisher um, and uh, oh so you've been like a car what's it called it's a curve, curve uh, yeah, yeah the, the, the curve progressor um, those type of skis um, yeah I've just gone to the Castley RX12 okay 16 meter radius 175 it's just yeah like does kind of everything a bit well exactly I spent two seasons skiing uh, just for work not really performance but I've been doing it just for a while but I spent two seasons on a 185 25 meter GS ski okay GS and that was a mellow ski when you're not like yeah it's too like when you're out skiing and there's people around it's too it's too quick like you can't yeah, yeah you can't really yeah. use it very well but actually for short turns it's not a bad ski like it it, it no. turns in nice and it's got a sort of soft shovel goes in alright and the it was okay just to cruise around on. Yeah. You know, they are comfortable. Yeah. Because it's long and it's sort of... Yeah, it gives you stability. Yeah, yeah. And it, you can kind of cruise. Yeah. yeah. Fore and aft, it's okay. Yeah. But yeah, but something a bit more lively is what I'm on now. So, but mm. I don't... I couldn't ski daily on a 165 size too much. Mm, mm. Your legs just... You fry your legs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, our whole sort of like... Our whole education is on um, is sort of on those on those. Yeah, skis. so if you come for a Swiss Snowsports exam, that's the ski you come on. Exactly. 
yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And of course, in those exams, of course, um, in those 12 different exams, in, in some exams, you definitely have to change your ski. I mean, like for giant slalom, yeah, of course, um, sometimes even if you if you don't feel very comfortable on a giant slalom ski, sometimes you just recommend, okay, just stick onto your slalom ski and go for it, you know, like yeah. because sometimes it, it's better. <laughs> just wear that fast, but, um, yeah. but another on the other fact, yeah, we just try to do as much as possible just on one ski because um, for us it's still important that the that the person who's on the skis adjusts and not that you have yeah 16 pairs of skis up there for those two weeks and you yeah. and you uh, each each run you need to go and change your your ski you know yeah, like that that's not the, that's right. not the point no. No. yeah oh okay mm. I hope you're enjoying this interview with Damien and I, and I really think that it really shines through the, the, the kind of interaction that we have on this interview and, and, uh, and I, I so much enjoyed um, having this chat with Damien. It was really, really cool to have this Swiss perspective on skiing, which I've been searching for for, for a very long time and I, I've got in mind a couple of other Swiss that I'd really like to, like to speak to um, also. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of interviews coming up, there's already two in the can, so we're going to get an Austrian perspective for the next one, and then um, and then something a little bit different with a guy called Richard from Snowbility, which is um, to do with uh, to do with skiing with um, people with with learning disabilities and that kind of thing. So so the next two are already there, ready to be edited, and and I'll get round to those when I've got a moment. Um, with the second half of this podcast, uh, we talk a little bit more about Swiss, well, we talk about skiing culture, Swiss skiing culture, and um, we then go on to talk about Zermatt Ski Club and their young athletes and, uh, and and a couple of other bits and pieces in there too. So uh, so from a, a Switzerland that's getting a little bit colder, um, we've got one degree and some snow forecast for Sunday. So winter is arriving. I know there's a there's a meter of snow forecast in some of the higher areas in uh, in Austria as well. So it uh, looks like winter's well on its way. Um, we've seen, well, I don't know how much store you take by this, but there's definitely uh, definitely a lot of spiders around this summer which uh and they're coming into the house which i think is a sign of a a, a cold winter to come there's berries on the tree and and, I, and i'm reliably informed that the molehills are bigger this year than usual so um cold one to come maybe we'll see and uh and and i'll speak to you or i'll see you on the uh, on the next podcast until then if you're skiing happy skiing Um, Swiss skiing culture. I've got two questions in relation to this. If here's the one that I've always wanted to know, well, I've mentioned this a couple of times to fellow Swiss, but if how can I put this? If you didn't grow, if you grew up on skis. 
compared to say someone who grew up in the UK who learned skiing at an older age you don't know what it's like to be rubbish because you learnt it do you yeah. see what I mean yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. in there right you, you've never known a time when you couldn't ski no like that was that's, a, that's <laughs> such an interesting topic because one of my um, and I don't mean that sorry I don't mean to say it's a bad thing no what I'm saying is it's just it's something that because I learnt when I was I'm I'm one of these strange British people who ski on carpet, right? Right. Like, um, that's how I learned, like on a dry slope in Hemel Hempstead, on, a, on some brushes. Yeah. And you're like, you know... Well, I mean, Dave, Dave, I mean yeah. Dave Riding he came what? out quite well. Did all right. <laughs> I saw him the other day on a lift. Oh, really? He's in great form, yeah. Got yeah. back to Fisher. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, heard, yeah. Which I think is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, with the British and the Australians back in the days. We were often together in training, so yeah, yeah. I know I know Dave from um, from, so from those from those days. Yeah, he's he's a great bloke. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So so like I said, but yeah. but I I have an awareness of what it's like not to be able to ski, mm-hmm. and so actually my my. Um, as a Britisher, my experience of skiing is actually to be thinking all the time. Mm-hmm. It, literally every turn, that was a good one, that mm-hmm. was a crap one, mm-hmm. that was a good one, mm-hmm. that was a good one, maybe that one was all right, could have done that but differently. Like it's, a, it's constant. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you as a Swiss, growing up, going up through ski club, like all of that stuff, whether that happens to you or whether for you skiing is just skiing. Well, let's put it that way. I think that the whole, um, the, the, as what you say, like the whole reflection point, like mm. from one turn to the other, and was it good or was it bad? Um, in those days when you were like in, in, in the tunnel of ski racing, you had you had one coach, you believed him everything. It was it was never like a it was never a dialogue. It was more like a monologue. You know, mm. he he was just like he yeah. was always just chatting, chatting, chatting. And if you didn't chat anything, then you were like asking, so how was it? You know, yeah, yeah. so you you were like, you were just this this guy in a race suit and a helmet on, and you were just like taking orders from the coach. And okay, I need to do that, but I, hmm. I never self-reflect anything. This whole self-reflection actually just started afterwards when I when I just like started with with ski instructing and starting with examining and, and reading and reading the books uh, writing even sometimes uh, like some technical manuals or whatever that's where this whole reflection actually started and I think that's like the, the that's like the the sad and the fun thing about it like if I would have known everything what I know now about yeah. <laughs> in, the, in, in those days when I would have been an athlete um, maybe that would have been even better yeah that would have been amazing yeah so this whole this whole education in 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 ski racing never actually really really comes Mm. comes to you and like when I was now a coach for for several years I always of course sometimes I also step back into that same routine as as the coaches in back days in uh, with me but I always try to explain why 
why you're doing why are you doing this exercise or or like so so sort of like um when they are okay like this is an exercise with your arms or with your inner leg or uh, bending your your inside leg a little bit more it's uh, why do you need to do it what what is the result why do i want to get there too and that's um and i think that was um very important back to you in one way like as you can still like sort of like put yourself back as as it was uh, for you how to to learn skiing i I cannot reflect to that back because when I started skiing, I was two and a half. Like I have no clue what I yeah. like. So I think like in in that point, um, if like whatever has you can you can put yourself much better into that position when you have like a, a beginner. Mm. Um, when you have somebody who touches the first time some snow or some, you can feel so much better in, into that him. empathy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Into, into him. Um, so how do you do that when you have someone that's yeah, like that? Like so, sort of like that's my question. Yeah, do so sort have, of. Do you like do you do you have, as someone who can't remember that? Do you do you have to kind of try and imagine what it's like? so like yeah that was like when I was when I I got my one of my first clients here in Zermatt and the the ski school director told me okay you go up there beginner slope there's somebody coming up there alright go up put one ski on sliding you know like you do the whole thing but this person just didn't get it and I was just like so frustrated like what is your problem you know like <laughs> so, so why then, can't you do this yes and, like, I, I, and then I and then I saw the all the all the other ski instructors doing so much better work than I did you know like they, they started yeah they started at the same time as me but like mm. Their person already did like one <laughs> one turn to one side and to the other side, and I've been just still struggling. And I was just like thinking, "Oh my god, what's wrong with me?" And, or, and then, and that was like that was a, a real interesting um, experience for me. Yeah. Um, to see how yeah how that how that works but like then in the end afterwards when you when you get in when you read into the manuals when you when you when you when you're teaching more when you're teaching other ski instructors how to how to how to do those steps yeah you get more and more um sort of knowledge and mm. uh, and so that's one one part of um of of how i developed in, in that respect and also like trying different sports like that I am a beginner uh, and then you know like yeah, going yeah. into that so like sort of um, okay let's whatever I don't I don't I cannot reflect back but like sort of like going in, going into the same process yeah. as well um, I tried uh, last summer I tried to learn how to play the guitar okay it's so difficult <laughs> yeah I was thinking oh, I'll just pick this up no problem how hard can it be it's really difficult and I actually gave up in the end mm. because I was just like this is too much yeah. I, I just haven't got well one I just didn't really feel it so I could play some stuff like not very right. well right. I could I could play some notes in the right order right but it was like when you looked into the background of it it's quite mathematical and then it's, it's 
it's yeah. not for me. Yeah. Not for me. I went ice skating the other day. That's really hard as well. Yeah, I, I, I like, saw your video it's, actually it's really on, hard. on social media. Oh yeah. my god. Like, I mean, I could do it, but I'm not really good at it. And that frustrates me because I like to be really good at stuff first time out. And yeah. Not, like, yeah. I would just wasn't. Yeah. But it was, it was interesting because a lot of the movements seem to be the same. Yeah, 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 definitely. I yeah. mean, but, um, but yeah, but it's, I think it's fun to try new stuff every now and again. Exactly. Just to remind yourself what it's like to be crap. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. More. And that's what is also, um, that's what is also so important that we are sometimes um, in, the, in, the, in those demo team trials or when, when we are in those world championships or Swiss championships that you have again this pressure on yourself and like that you can afterwards also um, give some tips to your to your um, to your participations in, in the course you know just tell them okay like listen uh, yeah. try to cool down and like uh, and, and try to concentrate on yourself and try yeah just try yeah, to yeah. Uh, do your best performance and but if you never if you never back in that in those situations it's, it's also like so hard to to give like um, uh, some some good in the end some good tactic tactical mm. points not so much technical points anymore but more yeah. mentally and tactical points about it yeah. and um, so those um, those situations are very very important um, as as an examinator as an educator as yeah. well yeah, yeah I think so yeah I think so tell me culturally right you're born you're from around here right. you live in Zerma you know skiing in this part of the world, French Alps, Italian Alps, Swiss Alps, Austrian Alps. It's it's cultural here, right? It yeah. means, I'd say in some ways more than to those that come from the lowland countries, you know, to us. It, it, it's, um, what I meant to say about this was, and every now and then there's there's sort of arguments and stuff that we have with, um, not arguments, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on with the, um, with the, the, the French qualifications and the British and this, and you know, argue backwards and forwards. Yeah, 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 yeah. And having lived, I've lived in France for a while, so I kind of, uh, I sort of think I understand it a little bit, but you know, it, it might be the same here, but you know, you... You grow up here. You grow up on skis. You're going skiing all the time, you know, your folks or whatever. Then you join the ski club. You're six, right? And you go through the ski club and you race to a certain level. And if you're not racing, you might be doing moguls or you might be doing something else, right? And let's say that you're not... This is maybe France-specific, but it probably applies to Switzerland as well. You pop out of that system. You're not quite good enough to make a certain team. And you think, okay, well... Okay, I did my apprenticeship and I'm a carpenter in the summer, but in the winter I put on this red jacket and this is this is what we do here. And it's like a way of life. Is exactly. That, is that fair to say? Is that your experience of growing up around here? Um, in my days, yes, still, I would say. Um, or like in the, in, the, in the older days. Definitely. I mean, that was like sort of okay. You're you're a mountain guide. You're a ski teacher. In winter, in summer, you 
you have, you're a farmer or you're a carpenter and that's how you yeah that's how you feed your family and hmm. it goes all it goes all well these days i mean it it is a little bit different i mean um like the youth has so much more possibilities um I think the youth are also a little bit more. They don't want to be like stick around into like um, into like season works. They like they rather have something on a year basis, safe, safe income, weekends off. Um, yeah. You know that's that's um, that's what we that's what we struggle a little bit now in, in as well in, in Switzerland as well. Like the, yeah. to to get to get um, more ski instructors into into our ski school because it's not it's not so um is that the case really yeah You're struggling to be for people yeah yeah it, we we yes. struggle we in like not maybe like in in the in the big big hubs of of ski destinations like, like in Zermatt, St. Moritz, Gstaad, yeah. Davos we still have like a lot of uh, a lot of people Either they're from here or they they apply to to come and uh, work for us, hmm. but um, generally it is a little bit of a struggle um, with 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 Some ski school, like just like that, yeah. that this whole season thing, you know, like it's just um, it's just so not uh, it's not so interesting anymore. So what what ski schools are trying to do now these days is you know they're trying to. To be inventive with with summer sports, they hmm. going they they doing uh, whatever. Um, so they doing mountain guiding, they doing uh, bike riding, they doing bike guides. There's yeah. even like yeah. there's even a cooperation between the guide uh, the bike guides and the and the, and the ski teachers where you can do like a sort of like a shorter version of their education. And so that is, I think that would be. Um, that is like sort of the key to to keep those young people in there that you will not be sort of like a ski instructor more you're more than like a outdoor guide yeah yeah that, that you can do you can do in autumn something you can do in spring something you can do in winter something that you're like just covered more or less for, no, for we, have, we months, have the same thing where months. i live right you yeah. know you've got people that are you know, shampery for example you know you, you're 40 50 minutes away from lausanne if you're a kid like yeah why would you not go and live in lausanne yeah it's more interesting there's yeah. more stuff going on yeah yeah i get it totally yeah um from, <coughs> from the whole cultural um thing it is definitely um If you choose after ski racing to go afterwards into into ski instructing or into uh, whatever I did afterwards education and, and examinator and stuff like that, you can actually have how shall I explain that? You can have a job and you can earn money with it. Yeah. Um, as a as a former ex hockey player or football players there's not so many um, players who afterwards choose the way of being a coach mm -hmm. and being a coach on a on a quite in a decent level where you yeah. can get a decent salary out of it yes. so um, that is sort of like that is the cool part about this uh, about yeah. the ski racing part mm -hmm. of course afterwards if you want to be if you want to be afterwards the head coach of the Swiss ski team, 
Of course, yeah. you will have you will have a not bad salary, but of course, it never applies to something like Barcelona or no. uh, or, no, no. or Manchester. But um, well, and of course, there's less of those positions available. Exactly, exactly. You know, there's there's what I don't know how many nationalities competing on the World Cup, but there's not that many of those positions. No. no. You know, there's 18 teams in the UK Premier League who are all earning fortunes, right? Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, so that is uh, so that is the, like definitely like um, a cool a cool way to, mm. to see it. Like even if you don't make it, and if you go study in university, you can you can become a ski instructor, and you can you can um, you can help pay the univers uh, like the university yeah. fees and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely also like. Um, Of course, if you if you are a good skier here in a mountain village, or if you have been a or you're a good mountain guide, or you have been a good professional climber, your status in the village is definitely a little bit higher than if you have been like a professional soccer player. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Like I, I guess um, back in Ma- in Manchester, Liverpool, or wherever, yeah. um, nobody cares if you have been a professional ski racer. But if you've been <laughs> a professional uh, uh, yeah. soccer player, yeah, it's different. just your value just gets higher, and that's well, you see it in Morjan, right? You know, you sort of see you see Defago walking around, and you know, it's like that guy won the Olympics. Like yes, yeah. that's, that's him. Yeah, you know. And it's amazing to see that. I still, I never, never tire of, you know, having a group of kids and go, see that guy. Yeah. See that guy over there. Yeah. And he's like the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. stop for anyone. Like, it's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So, cool. so yeah. Um, that is definitely like um, a little bit of a, I would say, like a cultural thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's in the blood, right? Yeah. It's in the blood. Yeah. My former boss, Rolf, was always, he was always saying, it's in our blood. <laughs> All right, I get it. British, I get it. <laughs> One day I'll understand, maybe, if I'm lucky. But yeah. Um, all right. So look, uh, I'm, I'm taking a lot of your time. Let, let I want to. I'd love it if we could touch on uh, your. You're still working with the ski club. Yep. Zermatt Ski Club. Yep. Yep. Now tell me, do those guys have an advantage because you can ski all year round? Um. Or do you? So I still. Not so at the moment. Um, so I've been. Um, I've been before like I've, I was like seven years um, or six years a coach in the ski valley team mm-hmm. and then I came back to the ski club I was three years coaching here and now I'm the president of the ski club but I'm still like um, I'm still like going around into those different groups because we have seven different groups we have 160 kids wait no yeah so it's a big, big. All from the village. Yeah, like this, a, there, there is, there's definitely like, um, I would say, twenty to thirty percent is also like you know from Lausanne or from Zurich. Okay. We have like a second home, uh, holiday apartment here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a that's a that's a lot of work. A lot of kids. Yeah, a lot wow. of work, a lot of kids, um, and if they have an advantage here. In the old days, yes. Now, no. No. The, the, the kid from Lausanne has the same days 
on snow before the first race yeah. as the guy as the as the person from Zermatt uh, and that is in one way absolutely crazy I mean if you just see how many kids are going up there in summer which are like eight nine ten years old and they spend like 20 30 days on those glaciers every day costs costs like 100 bucks and and you have a lot sometimes some days which are cancelled because of weather because of wind yeah i mean the the amount of of work they put in is is crazy and 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 like the thing is that that is also a little bit the problem with the whole structure of the ski like those kids afterwards when they're like 13 14 15 like there's each weekend there's like almost a race so like you have to do your technical basement you have to train in summer yeah. to perform in winter yeah, yeah. you you almost don't have time anymore to train in winter because mm. it's, it's just a, it's just a, like a, always a oh position. okay oh yeah next weekend we have giant slalom okay so we train yeah. giant slalom oh next weekend is super g okay let's train super g yeah. like it's always just like and that's such um that's so um difficult because in one way that would be nice to actually use the, the whole playground in winter to go mogul skiing Ooh. to go uh, off piece to to go into the park and stuff all those things which you can't do in summer. A race. Yeah. yeah and um yeah so in the old days yes we had an advantage that we were living in Zermatt and we've been living and we could train in summer but yeah. these days no. not so much no. but that, I suppose in a way isn't that good for the overall pyramid of Swiss skiing in that you've got more kids who can be involved I suppose of course because you might pick up a kid from Lausanne who you might have not got 20 years ago of course so. of course of course like the, the whole, those whole regional teams are so much they're like it's like it's prof- it just got so much more professional it's you know everything. like it's like everything like you know the the, the the parents they they stick their kids into those buses mm. you say goodbye on Friday evening they sometimes come back not even on Sunday evening they come back Monday or yeah. Tuesday they already can go out of school or whatever and um, and it's not it's not parents anymore on the slopes it's it's yeah. actually coaches and which are on a six till twelve months uh, salary like it's it's mm-hmm. it's um, it's, uh, it's so much Serious. more professional but yeah of course um, for the whole pyramid for the whole like you just get involved so much more kids yeah which can get that opportunity that's right yeah 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 it's yeah. not only um, the kids with the same yeah yeah name. it's not yeah. anymore valleys uh, Graubünden yeah. and, and Bern kids yeah, yeah. which which are which are there yeah yeah so much more that's okay mm. have you got any amazing skiers coming through the, the Zermatt ranks anyone we're gonna we need to look out for yeah I mean there is um, some of these kids are amazing aren't they? yeah like no I, it's, just, it's crazy got, I know I know a kid I keep mentioning him on this podcast but Tommy please I've known him since he was quite little, right. teaching him football and occasionally a bit of skiing. He skis for Ski Romand now. Okay. And like, also, he's you know because he's a certain age now, he's in the gym, so he's like 
Yeah, he's a big guy now. Yeah. For his age, and he can. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable what he can do at like 13, 14. Yeah. I'm just like wow. Like, yeah. It's just no, I mean there's definitely there's definitely kids here which uh, which can make which can make the move um, to become uh, very good uh, very good and very um, successful in ski racing. It's just you need to have like a bunch of kids. You need to have 160 kids in a team that there's maybe one coming out of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I see, yeah. It's just so it's, there's just so much involved like. You know, then uh, they say that with the football in the UK. So they, they do the same thing. So they the, the percentage oh. of kids that come out and make it compared to the participation is tiny. Tiny. And they say to the parents, like, do not whatever you do, do not bank on this kid playing in the Premier League because it is so so. The chances of them making it are so small. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, like, until they're 15, 16, you really don't know if they're actually doing the sport because of the parents or if they're doing it by themselves. Yeah. Until they're like 16, until they can actually speak for themselves a little bit. And then, and then if they were pushed too hard, then after 16, 17, they want to go their own way and they, you know, they go and party, they go and they, they just lose it. Yeah. <laughs> and, or, um, or the parents say, okay, like, yeah, that was now fun, but now go to school, go and be a doctor or get whatever. Get a real job. Get a real job, <laughs> get a real life, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and then the whole point of uh, injuries, you know? Mm. For those kids, as, as you mentioned just before, you know, just these kids are skiing on those 155 slalom skis super edgy um super like tuned stuff everything like already almost on the limits of of their equipment mm. but their bodies are not really ready for it but the force which is coming back yeah. just like the g-forces which is coming to their to their uh, hips and to their um uh, back back yeah. and, and knees is just um it's just amazing and and that's what, yeah, that's, uh, that's the sad thing about that sport that sometimes with, um, hmm. they come into the C team, B team, but they already been worn out, cooked out just to make it to yeah. there. Yeah. You know? They've not yeah. even touched the, the, yeah. the, the, the sky yet, you know, but so what, already... what, what then gets those guys through from there to the, the, the upper levels, I guess it's just mental strength or, or like a wanting it kind of thing. <laughs> yes. And also want somebody who, I think that you have to like fall once or twice on your head and like get an injury and like and like start okay talent enough and just skiing enough uh, just skiing well is is not enough for that level i need to i need to focus first on my body and just get my base ready yeah to 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 go afterwards further up and that's how usually like especially you see it as uh, a lot with women that they are like fantastic, good talent skiers. Uh, they go through they go through European Cup, World Cup, almost like like butter. But then they got months injured, and then 
a second time and then there's has, there has to be a coach or somebody who tells them okay and now we start to focus on your physical abilities yeah, yeah, yeah. before you go back onto the snow amazing. again yeah amazing mm. what where's the biggest dropout the, in in the club i guess it's the age where everyone discovers boys and girls and other interesting things yeah i mean that's i mean that's um Definitely, like with uh, 15, 16. Mm. Um, but that's a that's an issue which we which we have sort of, especially in Switzerland, because in Switzerland afterwards, when you're like fifteen, you choose uh, an academic way. You go yeah. to gymnasium, or you're staying at home. You're being you're you're becoming a carpenter or a cook. Mm. So like, there's already like a big big decision making and there's already a big big uh, dropout and as I said before uh, yeah with 16 17 they start to they start to um, think their own way and and uh, so that makes them a little bit like uh, okay do I really want to do that yeah and um, so I think it's those two perspectives in one way like sort of the the pressure from the parents from the school from society mm. and then the other the, on the other hand also their personal interests yeah and that's where a big dropout is yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah yeah okay do you wanna i didn't mention this do you want to finish off i keep seeing social media posts of you going heli skiing <laughs> where <laughs> where <laughs> I've never been heli skiing, and I want to know a bit more about it. Is that something you just do for fun, or you got to tie up with someone? What's that all about? Oh well, um, I was so fortunate that well, I don't know when was so. I have um, sometimes I have clients uh, where I have one one client here, which is in in summer, and he doesn't really like to to go up in the gondola in the morning. So we usually pick up the the chopper. From the village and yeah. go up and then Zermatt, right? yeah exactly and then also <laughs> take the chopper down yeah. so that's but that's just like for transport I mean that's not that's not uh, heli that's not heli skiing yeah. and then I was fortunate enough to to know um, somebody who sort of owns um, um, like a heli ski company back in Canada okay. which is called um, Stellar Heli Ski. And um, and it was such a it was such a great uh, experience because um, even then uh, Sandra Lahnsteiner and uh, Henrik Winstedt like they're two fantastic free riders like I mean Henrik won the free ride world tour and stuff like that and mm-hmm. I could just ski with them and. Um, yeah, they. I was so stressed because I was. They almost had to always wait for me. Then, <laughs> otherwise, it's always the, it's, the opposite, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, so uh, no. I mean, that was a lifetime experience, and um, so that was great. And then, if, sometimes we can um, back in Sweden in in spring. I go often there mm-hmm. with uh, skiers accredited. It's like oh, yeah. a, it's like a sort of like. A, a passionate uh, ski club for for um, for passionate skiers, mm-hmm. and uh, we meet up there, and then um, and sometimes we go heli skiing up there as well. But like I'm not a guide, so I'm just like yeah, yeah. you know following them. But um, what my my what my job is there is just like a sort of like a, 
I make the end of the I make the end of the of the of the group yeah. if something would happen, and then also um, giving them some some technical or some tactical advices yeah, nice. because sort of like the guide is there for, for the, his job is the, the safety. Yeah, and then I just try to make their experience afterwards. Um, yeah, better or easier that they can actually hop into the chopper the next day again <laughs> <laughs> so nice yeah. so good I have one last thing that just struck me when you're racing when you're doing your stuff at Zermatt Ski Club do you ever do things against the guys from the Juvenia side mm. um, and what does their club look like compared to yours do they do things much the same way or are they a bit more kind of Italian about it like a bit more well, uh, really easy. I mean the the I mean the. <laughs> I love skiing on that stuff. I I, I love it, and I just I just well. love the you know like just the passion about ski racing back in Italy is just crazy. I mean, everyone's I don't wanna, I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> talk bad about Zermatt because you're from here. Every time you go over to the Italian side, they're having so much more fun over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's less serious. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? yeah. It's less it's serious. So good. It's so, and it's also so. Um, it's just so. It's just Italy. It's you're, you're well. You're welcome. Um, I mean, it, that's. Um, I love to go skiing over there as well, especially for the lunches, of course, as well. But um, they eat like gods over there. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. It's just interesting. Uh, it's you know you 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 see sometimes like. A, a fantastic coach who skis fantastically well and then there's like 20 kids behind that coach and just like and they all have their, their little racing suits on and yeah yeah and, uh, and but their structure is like you you, you see a lot of the, the ski teams up in uh, you see a lot of the ski club uh, members up on the summer up on the glacier um, training, so that's I guess quite similar to mm. to our racing team uh, back here. Um, I think their focus is definitely is still like very traditional red blue red blue red blue. Like they would never. I d I don't really see them often like going. Okay, let's go and have a day of powder yeah. skiing or a day of moguls or whatever like that so it's very yeah in the it's, gates it's in the gates that's what you do that's yeah that's it um we had um two three years ago we started to have like a, a competition like once we went over to to their place and they came over to our place to have like a, a um, like a meet and greet and like sort yeah. of a competition for the for the ski club kids and in the old days we also had that actually with the ski school like mm. that we went we had like a night event here you know like a parallel slalom uh, cool. and um, and also a parallel slalom over in uh, in Cervinia yeah. and um, and it's fantastic you know when you when you when you when you ski over there um, when you when you have your red jacket on and everybody's like greeting you and, and stuff like that but yeah. I think that disappeared a little bit because I mean um, they have so many more ski schools mm. you know like and, and and here we have as well like a bunch of ski schools yeah, yeah. and so um, you don't know each other anymore, you know. Mm. Like I guess in the old days, you know, this was 
Uh, I'm big on this topic yeah. about where we are in the Port de Soleil, it's still friendly like that. You know, yeah. like everyone sees, hey, yeah. how you doing? Yeah. Don't get that when I go to Verbier. Mm. I, I don't ski here mm. professionally, so I don't know what it's like. Mm. But. Here, like, I have to say, like, the, the in January or in March, when there's, um, when there's only the core team of those different ski schools, mm -hmm. yes, then you know each other. Yeah. But then in February and in, in over Christmas and New Year it just explodes. They just just come yeah. out of their out of their <laughs> holes from from everywhere, and you see just yeah yeah people that you have never seen before. And then and then yeah of course then yeah, it's definitely. more difficult and stuff like that. But I mean I I still have a great relationship with with uh, with uh, with others with other yeah. ski schools here, and and I think it's just. Um, It helped. It helped the destination um, 25, 30 years ago that uh, other ski school came, you know, mm. brought us back to earth, uh, uh, trying to be a little bit more service minded. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, yeah, I don't that's, see it. That, that's that's yeah. like the. I mean, in Switzerland, we are very free. You know, like mm. everybody can. If if you have your patent and if you if you have your brevet, you can you can open your your ski school. Mm. And um, and in the end, like it's it's. I don't. I'm not happy about the French way how they do it. Like you know, like you almost get like into prison when you when you're like instructed yeah. somewhere. So. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, um, I think we have it. Um, we have it quite under control here. I mean, we have I don't know, like seven, eight, nine different yeah. ski schools. I mean, that's and we we need them. I mean, it's, well, it's the is, thing. That's a, yeah. that's the thing. Like, I mean, if there is the yeah. demand is so high on it, so like we so, yeah, no, right. we cannot even cover them. And I think this is the thing. I think if you're if you're of a relatively small mind I've said this before in the, the, the podcast if you're of a small minded nature you think there's only so much work to go around mm. it's not the case no. you know you no. would have seen that here you add another five or six ski schools everyone's still got enough work yeah it means more people are coming yeah and actually that isn't that what we all want we yeah. just want as many people to ski as possible yeah. right yeah I've just finished rewriting that as a section of the bottom of the, the website redesign that I've done for my ski schools I don't even care that much if you don't ski with me and my ski school. I just want you to come and ski. Yeah. I just want you up here because yeah. it's so good yeah. what we do. Yeah. And you've got to come and be part of it. Mm. You have to try it. Mm. It's really important. Mm. That because, you know, we're in a sport where the, the, the age, relative age of the people doing it is going up. Yeah. And the numbers are going down as late as people die off. Yeah. And like... You know, we've got to get more and more people into the sport. We have to. Yeah. And if that means, and like I say, I think the Swiss way is good. If you get the right, and it's the same way actually with with everything in Switzerland. You get the right tickets. You know, the right stamps on your bit of paper. Yeah. Give you the bit of paper, and it's like cool. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. You know, yeah. like you're 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 part of what we're trying to do here. Exactly. You know, so that's good in a way. Okay. Can I, is there anything else you want to want to cover? No, I mean um, um, it was um, 
very nice, Dave. Thank you, thank you for uh, inviting me into this um, into this podcast. And um, if people want to get hold of you for whatever reason, where would they be best to find you? <laughs> <laughs> they just walk into the Koski Swiss and uh, Matt say, "Hey, I want to ski with that guy. I want to go helicopter skiing." <laughs> What's the best way? Oh, the best way, um, I guess, uh, email or, or up to you. Like, or, uh, I can add it into the, the podcast notes later if you want. Yeah, but yeah. Just, um, you can just drop in the, my my email address, and then that's yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Perfect. Right. Thank you so much for um, taking the time. Awesome. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.